In this episode of Balancing the Christian Life, I reflect on what happened on Friday. Welcome to Balancing the Christian Life. I'm Dr. Kenny Embry. We'll talk about being better Christians and people in the digital age. Let's go. So it's been one of those weeks. We've all had them. I was planning to release my interview with David Osteen this week, so I downloaded the files and set them up for editing on Friday and Saturday. It's the end of the semester. As you might imagine, there are a lot of projects I have to grade, papers I have to read, and tests I have to go through. It's about this time that students suddenly become interested in their final grades and begin begging for extra credit. We also had a lot going on at the house. We got some new carpet, and the installer came on Wednesday, so I stayed at the house where I did some grading. I'm also redeveloping a course for the university and met with a course designer, as well as wrote several pages of research to go into the course. I had a few committee meetings which all needed to take some priority, and I needed to be available. This was also the week I met with some other guys to talk about a book we'd all read. I had paced my grading so I would be able to turn all the grades in on Friday afternoon when they were due. Katie told me we were invited to a party for my daughter's boyfriend, and I knew I might be up late grading everything to get into the university, but I'd still be fine. On Friday, I graded the last of the final exams for the largest class I had and turned them in, and set up some spreadsheets for the last two classes. It's a hectic life, but everything was falling in place pretty well. My schedule was full but workable. Katie told me we needed to head to that party, and we took the two younger kids and headed down to the hotel convention center where it was being held. There was still a lot on my mind, but that would all have to wait. Let's just focus on this party, and then we can get home and finish things up. My older kids went to the graduation commencement without us, and I was a little grateful. As an academic, I have to admit I don't particularly enjoy commencement ceremonies. At this point, I've probably been to three or four dozen of them. I don't want to be the wet blanket to people who love ceremony, but I have to admit my favorite part of being a professor is talking with my students in class. That's the gold. Commencement speeches all tend to be pretty similar. I knew one professor who always brought a book to read hidden in his robes somewhere. Again, I was glad I missed this ceremony. We went to the hotel meeting room where several families of graduates had gotten some food catered. It was really nice. I met some people, saw an old college friend, and when they announced the food was ready, we said a prayer and people started lining up to get dinner. I was talking to one of the hosts, but thinking about what I still had to do that night. Suddenly, several things happened at once. I heard a few people gasp, and then my daughter and my wife yelled my name. There was a commotion right around the food. And then I saw my son Jake on the floor. The salad plate he had just gotten was face down on the ground. Jake was out cold. We turned him over, and he began to come to. His eyes were dilated. He knew who he was. He knew where he was. But he had just passed out. We waited a few minutes, got him up, walked him over to another chair, sat him down. His face was pale, 
He seemed woozy. I asked if he wanted something to drink. He said no. Then his eyes closed again. He slumped out of his chair and passed out. Suddenly, my schedule was completely free. I didn't worry about grades, projects, or a party. My wife called 911, and I knew we were going to the hospital. In class, I often talk about what crises teach us. There is a quick value clarification that happens in crisis events. What's really important? What needs to happen next? What can wait? In crisis events, heroes are often born. People have the opportunity to rise to an occasion. When my son collapsed, several things went through my mind. But the first was how much I love my son. <laughs> Jake is my goofball. He does some truly ridiculous things, but I just can't help myself. I love him. And I knew with some clarity, whatever needed to happen next needed to be something that got him better. The grading took a back seat. The party was behind us. And I didn't have any definite plans in my immediate future other than doing what I could to make him better. It reminded me of a conversation I had with a good friend before talking about good priorities and distracting ones. The phrase he used to describe that rang in my mind. He said, most stuff just doesn't matter. Things got a lot clearer fast. I also knew I needed to be there for my wife and my other kids as well. I knew pretty well the younger ones would be shaken up. Abby was crying when we left, and I could see the look of worry on my wife's face. My older daughter, Emma, rose to the occasion. She took charge of Kent and Abby and got them home. On the drive to the hospital, I could see Katie was worried. We prayed in the car and then went into the emergency room. I've said several times we often make the most important commitments before we know what they cost. I've now watched all of my children get baptized. I remember telling them this was only the first step. They didn't understand much about Christianity, but there were only a few things they really needed to know. They needed to believe God exists. They needed to know they were sinners. And they needed to believe that God could fix that. That's it. They would learn many things in their lives about Christianity. But that's all they needed to know to get started. My kids all got baptized pretty young. But I knew that they knew enough. I'm grateful for who they are now because I know they will grow into a good relationship with God. And at this point, one of the things I was very grateful for was that Jake was in a relationship with God. Because my son had his phone with him, we were able to track the ambulance as it pulled into the hospital parking lot. In the waiting room, we saw a couple dozen other people all living out one of their crisis events. Katie was texting friends and family. In our marriage, my wife and I worry about very different things. I worry about my wife and family. And Katie often worries about balancing all the spinning plates in the air 
she actually compliments me very well. If I don't worry about it, she probably does. And if she isn't worrying about it, I probably am. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about the relationship we have. She was doing what she could, but I knew at some point she would need to crash. I don't know why, but I started thinking about Jesus knowing he was living the last week of his earthly life. No, I didn't think was this was Jake's last week by a long shot. He's 18, very healthy, and doesn't have any history of health problems. But for some reason, I thought about how quickly and then slowly everything must have gone on that Thursday night. The conversation he had with Pilate, the trials he had from both high priests, when Jesus was arrested and then murdered, the episode reads as chaos. But Jesus seems very calm. He answers questions, but he already knows the end. He knows he won't survive Friday. But he also knows he will be resurrected on Sunday. Jesus knew his role. I don't know exactly what he felt, but I knew who he trusted. The only one we could really trust in the emergency room was God. I know. The nurses and doctors were doing the best they could for Jake. I didn't doubt that for a moment. But I knew they had the limitations like all of us do. God was clearly in control. And I was just going to have to trust him on this. The next several hours in the emergency room went by slowly. Tests were done and figuring out what was wrong with Jake. I tried to keep him distracted by talking about a comic book show we both watched called Moon Knight. We were split whether it was any good or not. Jake liked it a lot, and eh, I'm still skeptical. After they took him back to get a CT scan, my wife and I talked about what we thought was going on. We texted family, and then I got a text from my old friend, Mark McCrary. He was in town to watch his daughter Coco graduate and asked if we needed anything. <laughs> not really. No. We were well cared for. Then Mark just asked, could he come see Jake? Then I got it. He wanted to do what he could. I looked at my watch. It was around 11 o'clock at night. My wife and I usually go to bed by 9 or 9.30. This was well past what we usually do. And this is far past I would expect anybody else to do for me. But there was the text from Mark. Can I come see Jake? <laughs> when he and his daughter Coco walked through the door, the mood was lighter. I was reminded why we've been friends for so long. Mark and I love to bicker over differences we have, and we have several. But it has never gotten in the way of our genuine love and affection we have for each other. <laughs> We laughed for about half an hour. The doctors eventually came back and told us it was probably something called vasovagal syncope. <laughs> I still don't really know what that means. But Jake hadn't eaten much and was sitting in a hot gym during the commencement. It was almost midnight when they told us that we were being discharged. Whatever he had done had probably contributed to his passing out. 
The blood work was fine. The EKG was normal. The CT scan didn't show any fractures. He was sore and shaken up, but he was fine. The doctor gave us a stack of paperwork about what we might have to expect. Jake was going to keep being the goofball we all love. In my mind, I quietly thanked God for being involved. Both Jake and Katie were starving. So we went to the few restaurants that was still open, Waffle House. Waffle House is one of those restaurants that people divide over, but it's one of my wife's and my favorite restaurants. We have a lot of stories that involve the Waffle House, and this is just another one. When I emailed my students why their grades were a day late the next day, several emailed me back, expressing concern for my son. But one student wrote back, Of course grades were less important than my son. They got it. In class, I often talk about why some of the things they learn in the classroom pale in comparison to what they are and what good they can do. They got it. They really got it. I started coming back to the regular demands of my life. I started once again thinking about the papers which needed grading the emails I would have to write, the messages I needed to send to friends and family who knew Jake had passed out. I started thinking about co-pays and deductibles and what insurance would and wouldn't cover. I spent the majority of Saturday doing all the things I couldn't do on Friday, including writing the podcast, grading, and apologizing to people for deadlines that I'd missed. But I caught myself. In all crises, there is the opportunity to clarify your values, and for heroes to emerge. I love what I do for a living. But in that moment, the relationships that mattered became crystal clear. I called my family. I texted my friends. And I prayed to God. And every step along the way, I was surrounded by heroes. A host that helped us get Jake safely to the ambulance crew, the crew on the ambulance who made sure my son was cared for, the nurses and doctors who cared for my son, and friends who both reached out online and in person to make sure we were okay, and a God who took care of us every step of the way. It's easy to talk about blessings in abstract ways. But that night, we were very blessed. Sometimes it takes a crisis to remind you what God has already blessed you with. So you know, my conversation with David Osteen will be next week, God willing. I'm sorry, David, but now you know what happened. I've been interviewing several people and have a lot of interviews to work on. David Osteen is next, but I have a second conversation with Scott Byer and Jared Bullman talking about adoption. A conversation with Jonathan Banning on the challenges of being a second-generation Christian. A conversation with Bob Darnell about converting from Judaism. And finally, a really fun conversation with Kylie Seip and Phil Robertson about negative self-talk. I am so blessed to have these conversations with people who make me better. Finally, 
I also noticed an important milestone for the podcast. I don't know if you noticed, but this is episode 100. I've heard you don't really develop your own voice until you get to about 100 episodes into a podcast. And I don't know if that's true or not. I know there's a huge difference between episode one and now, but I definitely want to say thank you again for being a part of this journey. I have been grateful every step of the way, but I want to reserve most of my reflecting about the podcast for late June when I celebrate two years of picking up a microphone. So until next time, let's be good and do good.